Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. Oh, what a day, children. Welcome to SiriusXM Progress. Thank you to Dean Obadala for the excellent lead-in. And Dean's entire team, I'm John Fugel saying, welcome to Progress After Dark. For the next three hours, we'll be coming at you with music and fun and empathy and something resembling comedy and a lot of facts. And of course, your calls at 866-997-4748. Professor Corey Brechneider makes his long-awaited return to the show. Lee Papa, the Root Pundit's with us. Keith Price, our comedy daddy's back in hour three. And Texas State Representative Carl Sherman joins us. He's running for the U.S. Senate, and he's going to talk about the shooting at uh, Joel Osteen's Lakewood Megachurch, because there's been a lot of disinformation about it, spread by a lot of scurvy characters out there. And by scurvy characters, I mean uh, the former president's son, Mini-Me, who's been lying a whole lot. Never lose an advantage, never lose an opportunity to blame something on trans people. And uh, especially when you're fighting for mentally ill people to have access to AR-15s. We have a lot to cover tonight. Chris Hauselt is our executive producer. Thea Harper's producing our show out of uh, the great borough of Brooklyn. I come to you tonight and all this week from the Los Angeles studios. We're thrilled to have Sam here. That one grown up in the room and our number is 866-997-4748. I'm really glad you guys are here. Want to hear from you all night. We'll be taking your calls all night and trying to get to everybody tonight. We left way too many people on hold last night and my inner Catholic has been beating myself up for it all day. 866-997-4748. Um, lot to get to in the news tonight. The Senate passed a $95 billion aid package for Israel and Ukraine, but the bill faces little chance of passing a Republican House in almost choreographed disarray. Mitch McConnell's urging Mike Johnson to bring the bill to the floor, joining similar calls from House Democrats in the White House. Meanwhile, uh, Donald Trump has said that we should abandon our allies and has encouraged Russia to invade our allies, which is why our media is saying Joe Biden is old. Uh, today, Biden called this call to military aggression un-American. And there was a special election today in New York to find a successor to you-know-who, America's sweetheart, George Santos. We'll talk all about that. And again, our number is 866-997-4748, 866-997-GRIT. Let's get to the top story. Let's do a show. It's been a good day for redos. And in a redo of their first failed attempt, House Republicans, who are not inclined to do things to help non-millionaires, did something that will help no one except maybe... Donald Trump. They pushed through the charges to make Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas the first sitting cabinet member to be impeached. 
And their mentality is, we have to impeach Secretary Mayorkas for not addressing a border crisis that we've decided can wait an entire year to be addressed. Because, yeah, I mean, really, folks, why, why try to address a problem when you can actually take active steps to make it worse and blame it on your opponents? It's not like they care about non-millionaires. House Republicans could have heard and voted on the immigration legislation that they've demanded for a long time and that the Senate was ready to pass. This means nothing. I mean, this impeachment tonight means nothing. It will die like Caesar on the floor of the Senate. This is what the Republican Party has done in the last year. Everything they've done to address the issues facing your country. Nothing. Nothing on infrastructure, nothing to help lower drug prices, nothing for education, nothing for student loans, nothing for climate, nothing for extreme weather disasters, nothing for unemployed Americans, nothing for non-millionaires. That's it. All they have to offer is umbrage. And that's my fancy way of saying they know how to piss off racists while doing nothing to improve the lives of said racists. It's a clown show. They are paid chaos agents. They are worthless and they are incapable of being productive to help your country. That's it. They are there to suck up and grovel before a reality show TV landlord racist that most of them actually hate. I mean, the border will never be dealt with by these people because it's so much easier to just blame people and point fingers. Again, I've said this before. The Republican Party will never do anything to fix the border which means there is no crisis. They won't. If the Republican Party wanted border crossings to stop, they could do it in a month. You start locking up the white folks who do all the hiring. As I'm fond of saying on this show, there is a giant help wanted sign at our southern border. It was put up by American citizens. It is flashing neon lights so everyone south of the border can see it. There is no wall you could ever build that's large enough to hide it. And if they wanted the border crossings to stop, they would take down the sign. They would take down the people who are doing the hiring. They want to blame Joe Biden for border crossings. No, the border crossings are blamed on people like Donald Trump, who has hired undocumented immigrants in two different centuries. Undocumented immigrants built Trump Tower in the 80s. He was having undocumented immigrants working at his golf clubs while he was serving as president. And he does this to avoid paying American workers a living wage. I'm not even getting into the humanity of it. I'm not even getting into the fact that if you want them to stop crossing our border, how about you end our fucking drug war because half of them are fleeing the violence from that? How about you try to do things to make their own countries safer so they're not inclined to come here? And by the way, once again, there is only one commandment in the entire Bible these people pretend to follow but use as an empty prop. Only one commandment in the entire Bible about borders or immigration. And the commandment appears in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And Jesus says it himself, welcome the stranger. They're not honest. They're not fair. They're not Christian. Immigrants in the U.S., we learned this week, contributed more than $330.7 billion in federal income taxes in 2019. Over $492 billion in total Taxes. The Tax Foundation estimates that American and immigrant taxpayers paid $1.6 trillion in individual income taxes in 2019. Now, this is when 
Immigrants made up only 13% of the population in 2020, which means immigrants literally make an outsized contribution to our revenue system. And I'll point out again, because it's true in all 50 states, legal immigrants and undocumented immigrants commit crimes at a substantially lower rate than natural-born Americans. It's all a racket. They have nothing to offer. This is not going anywhere. This impeachment today happened so they can get a miniseries out of it, so they can get a miniseries in the Senate to help Donald Trump's campaign. Because again, if they had any policies that would improve the lives of non-millionaires, they'd be talking about it. They're not. And it seemed like this was going to be a good day. I mean, we had good news from the Senate this morning. The Ukraine-Israel-Taiwan National Security Bill passed 70 to 29. Democrats, 48 to 3. Republicans, 22 to 26. Donald Trump doesn't like this. Donald Trump doesn't like us helping Ukraine repel Putin's violent invasion of slaughter and rape. Donald Trump is on the record as saying he thinks that Putin should be allowed to invade and slaughter anyone. I think if this was the 1930s and 40s, we know exactly how Donald Trump would feel about Hitler taking Poland, taking Czechoslovakia, taking France. What are the Republicans good at? I mean, it's, it's not helping our allies. Donald Trump views any legislation right now that could help anyone in America or any of our allies as a win for his opponent, Joe Biden. So that can't happen. I mean, the only thing Republicans have proven they're good at, seriously, this whole year, last 12 months, firing other Republicans. Thinking about McCarthy, thinking about Santos. They're both on my mind today. Now, last week... These House Republicans rejected the border security bill they demanded for years that the Senate crafted, filled with proposals that Republicans have demanded. And the Border Patrol Union endorsed it and said it should pass. They said it's so much better than what we have now. Amnesty International criticized it as cruel. You'd think they'd like that. Ukraine. This week, they're rejecting the legislation that the Senate passed to help Ukraine keep fighting the invasion. Mitch McConnell and Biden have encouraged the House to vote on it. Here speaking today is Joe Biden. He felt the need to counter weekend statements by Donald Trump, suggesting the U.S. could and should abandon our post-World War II NATO allies. A1. The former president has sent a dangerous and shockingly, frankly, un-American signal to the world. Just a few days ago, Trump gave an invitation to Putin to invade some of our allies, NATO allies. He said if an ally didn't spend enough money on defense... He would encourage Russia to, quote, do whatever the hell they want, end of quote. Can you imagine a former president of the United States saying that? The whole world heard it. The worst thing is he means it. No other president in our history has ever bowed down to a Russian dictator. Well, let me say this as clearly as I can. I never will. For God's sake, it's dumb, it's shameful, it's dangerous, it's un-American. So in the wee small hours this morning, the Senate cleared the borderless national security supplemental bill, and they sent it to the House where Speaker Mike Johnson, who pretends to follow Jesus but actually worships a racist reality show host, he pretty much just put it in his delete file. I mean, (laughs) the Senate approved it. $95 billion aid to Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan, right? I mean, to stop a violent invasion, protect Ukraine's democracy— they, they claim to care about Israel. I know they hate Muslims more, but they claim to care about Israel. They claim to not like China. They don't care about any of it. They don't care. Republican support for the deal actually grew over last night. 22 Republican senators voted in favor of the package. 
Mitch McConnell has urged Speaker Johnson to allow the vote on Ukraine. He said it would be, he would not be so presumptuous as to tell him how to do it. McConnell said, we've all heard kinds of rumors about whether the House supports Ukraine or doesn't. It seems to me the easy way to solve that would be to vote. I don't know why I'm doing the impression. I actually agree with him on this. And I hope the Speaker will find a way to allow the House to work its will on the issue of Ukraine. He won't, Mitch. He can't. He doesn't work for the American people. He works for a guy who was fired from his own NBC reality show for being too racist. Now, Obviously, Mike Johnson is new at this, and it's really great that they fired their Speaker of the House, who was evil, but knew what he was doing. Now they've got a guy equally evil, but twice as incompetent. And he's not had a very good time of trying to wrangle his caucus. I mean, the guy's not good at his job. He, he often will announce a position, and then he'll backtrack, right? I mean, he, he did. He, before, he spent months saying legislation is necessary to secure the border. Now he says Biden can do it on its own. That's my favorite lie they're telling about the border, by the way. Biden can just close the border. He could close the border right away. When you hear someone like this, friends, when your loved ones or coworkers say this, there's, there's two questions for you to ask right away. Number one, uh, well, three questions. Number one, how would he do close the border? Number two, what would that look like? And number three, why didn't Trump do it? Because it's bullshit, folks, and it's bad for you. And the poor leadership of this clown has led to a lot of embarrassing defeats for the party, including last week when they tried to impeach Mayorkas. Now, I guess they've succeeded. Is it going to help them in the election? You think the average voter knows who Mayorkas is? This is their entire campaign. This is their Hillary's emails. They're going to try to make it all about Biden's age and the border. Hey, I thought it was going to be all about uh, Hunter Biden and, and corruption and inflation. No, no, no. That was last year's slurs. They didn't test well with focus groups. They got to find new things to distract from the fact they have no policies to help non-millionaires. So Johnson is betting that his caucus isn't going to disobey him and help Democrats force a floor vote on the aid bill because that would look really bad. Uh, and Joe Biden said there's no question the Senate bill would pass the House. And that's why Mike Johnson won't allow a vote. It's so dirty, it's like Chris Christie's hamper. Even Andy Biggs, who's a douchebag who hates Ukraine and loves Putin's rape and slaughter, said if it were to get to the floor, it would pass. Let's be frank about that. Hakeem Jeffries said he's going to use every available legislative tool to pass funding for Ukraine, Israel and Palestinians in Gaza. Maybe he's actually read the New Testament. Now, um, here's the thing. The hardliners don't like Johnson any more than they liked McCarthy. They don't like anyone. It's a cult of selfishness, folks. Look to the Matt Gateses. Look to the Marjorie Taylor Greens. Look to the Paul Gosars and Lauren Boeberts and Donald Trumps. That's what the party is, a party of craven selfishness, which means they will always turn on each other. And they've been doing it. I mean, they are going to turn on this guy hard. And when, when he became speaker, Johnson vowed to not let Russia prevail in Ukraine. Now, three months later, he's forgotten about it. So by blocking Ukraine aid, Speaker Johnson has chosen Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin over U.S. national security. They're saying they should introduce a discharge position for Ukraine. I mean, it would pass, right? Andy Biggs said so. This bill providing aid to Ukraine can be brought to the House floor for a vote with a discharge position signed by a majority of the House membership. That's only 218 members. If Schumer and McConnell can advance this Ukraine-Israel aid package, then Hakeem Jeffries can use a discharge petition, bring it to the floor, humiliate Mike Johnson, and get the aid passed. Will the Democrats do it?
And then, I, I, I'm sorry, I was mentioning, uh, they're good at firing their own, right? George Santos. They had a special congressional election in New York today. It's still going on to fill the House seat that George Santos held until his colleagues finally expelled him for his many, 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 many scandals. Full disclosure, I think it was a mistake to get rid of him. I think Democrats should have fought to keep him and fundraised off his hideous face for the next year. But that's just me. So now this is taking place in one of the few House districts in America that's still pretty competitive between Republicans and Democrats. Suburban Long Island, where I come from, it's pure purple. They vote for Republicans. And I mean, it's a district that Joe Biden won by 10 points. And they also elected George Santos. So it's hard to say who's going to win. The weather is terrible in New York. This nor'easter is freezing. My wife and kid were supposed to fly out to L.A. and their, their flight was canceled. I hope you guys are keeping safe. We'll talk about the weather later on. But if the Democrats win, they will have flipped a suburban district from Republicans, which is what they're going to have to do about 10 or 20 more times to take back the House in November. Democratic candidate is Tom Suozzi, former congressman. He's campaigning as a moderate. And uh, he suggested building a wall along the southern border and finding a path to citizenship. I mean, and he's criticizing Republicans for failing to pass the border deal. So something for everyone, I guess. Republicans have predicted they're going to lose the House in November. I mean, they think they're going to lose it, and they'd feel a lot better for their chances if immigration is in the headlines. So they're going to try anything they can do to talk about brown people coming across the border because fear is all they've got. <laughs> it's crazy. Can I, can I, can I, I need to completely flip the script on this. Can I, can I tell you a wonderful story, an amazing story to just counter all of this negativity? I just, I can't, I have a whole monologue written, but I, I am so distracted by the story of Charlotte, the stingray in North Carolina. Chris, have you heard about the North Carolina aquarium? which has a shark lab. There's a stingray named Charlotte in North Carolina. She lives in the shark lab, just like in the New York Aquarium. And this has nothing to do with politics, but I don't care. Uh, Charlotte the stingray is about 12 years old. Uh, She is pregnant, and she has never been around a male stingray in her tank. I mean, mean, people have said that stingrays can hold male sperm for years, but her trainer says uh, this stingray has never been around a male until they put two little boy sharks in the same tank. And then she noticed there were bite marks on Charlotte the stingray's body. That's a habit of mating sharks. So it's possible Charlotte got pregnant by a shark. The two sharks are named Mo and Larry. <laughs> See, this story already is making me feel so much better about D.C. Now, the other explanation, which I think is probably more accurate, is that Charlotte, the pregnant stingray, who's never been around a male stingray, is going through a very rare process called parthenogenesis, when the eggs develop on their own without fertilization and essentially create a clone of the mother. Spontaneously. They said with our bamboo. Yes, Chris. I have a quote from an expert in North Carolina on this. What do you have on this? Because this is my favorite. This story is chasing away all my blues. Go ahead. It's not possible. Listen, if there's one thing the history of evolution has taught us, it's that life will not be contained. Life breaks free, it expands to new territories, and it crashes through barriers painfully, maybe even dangerously, but, uh, well, there it is. <laughs> well, it's great. I could tell by his North Carolina accent. Whoever that scientist is, thank him for me. They, they've had parthenogenesis happen with sharks, uh, and they've studied several examples of it, but it doesn't really happen in stingrays. The last study on it 
parthenogenesis took place 14, a quarter of a century ago. Uh, this is in the Hendersonville Aquarium in North Carolina, where Charlotte lives. It's been closed for renovations. They've just reopened it. When Charlotte does give birth, she could have as many as four pups. And if the pups are born alive, they hope to keep the family together. They'll have to get a tank almost double the size right now. But the birth will provide a chance for the team there at Hendersonville to perform DNA testing on the pups to determine what they are. Because, guys, this is the story. It's not about the impeachment of the Homeland Security. It's not about Biden's age. It's not about Donald Trump encouraging Russia to invade our allies. And it's not about the Congress trying to pass a bill. What we have here is either a virgin birth of a stingray or it's the dawn of the planet of the shark rays. <laughs> I don't care which one it is. These are the stories I need. If Republicans are going to make the world crazy, I'm going to catch up with virgin stingray shark births. We want to know what you guys think. We're at 866-997-4748. I have wanted to do a monologue about Tracy Chapman since the day after the Grammys, and these Republicans are just not going to let me do it. 866-997-GRIT. We'll be right back in a moment with your calls and Professor Corey Brechtschneider right here on Sirius XM. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This is Sirius XM Progress. I'm John Fugelsang. Quick little reminder, this Friday on the show, it is the return of Rob Reiner. He's produced an excellent new film all about... Christian nationalism, uh, we kind of go to town on this one. You don't want to miss it. And uh, next Sunday, February 25th, I'll be performing. Yeah, I fly back from L.A. on Friday. I go up on Sunday at the Church of Satire in Hanover, Pennsylvania. Uh, one show, and that's going to be Sunday, February 25th uh, at churchofsatirecomedyclub.com. And uh, I'm not allowed to tell you any bit more, but uh, next week, I think, or the week after next, big tour announcement. That's all I'm allowed to say. For now, it's just sporadic gigs. Right now, let's go to somebody who I'm really pleased to announce. Professor Corey Brechtschneider. You know him from this show. You love him. He uses his skills to fight crime and enrich the lives of students in the poli-sci department at Brown. Since the 2016 election, Professor Brechtschneider has been writing great analysis of our politics for Politico, the New York Times, and Time Magazine. You have to get his book, The Oath in the Office, A Guide to the Constitution for Future Presidents, at your favorite bookstore. Also, his Penguin Liberty series on free speech impeachment and Ruth Bader Ginsburg's notable cases. And I'm getting psyched because the new book is coming out soon. Professor Brechtschneider, we have missed you the past couple of weeks. What a pleasure to welcome you back to SiriusXM. 
Thanks, John. And we stored up a lot of great topics, so uh, so much to discuss. Yeah, let's let's get to it. I've been talking about, obviously, impeachment and the 14th Amendment and um, stingrays that might be pregnant by sharks, all of which are very important. <laughs> but I think the 14th Amendment is uh, really keen because this is going to go before the Supreme Court now in Donald Trump's latest effort to try to... Uh, say he has immunity. I mean, it, it's it's I, I, all of the cases are blurring together. But 14th Amendment, of <laughs> course, is going to go before the court where they're going to have to decide whether uh, he is eligible or not to be on the ballot, in spite of the fact the Constitution says he's not. Corey, wh- <laughs> why is originalism such an important uh, factor in this case? Originalism has always confused me in talking about the Constitution, because when someone claims they're an originalist, I always say, oh, can I come over and count your slaves? I mean, it's a it's a problematic <laughs> term for me. But why does it matter so much for this 14th yeah. Amendment case? Well, what's interesting about this is, you know, this is a case that the Supreme Court just heard about whether or not Donald Trump is going to be on the ballot. They really are going to decide whether or not he's eligible to run for office and the accusation of the people who have brought the claim is that in the same way that, you know, somebody who was under the age of 35 wouldn't be eligible, that somebody who engaged in insurrection is also not eligible. So where does that come from? So in the 14th Amendment, which says things like uh, grant equal protection of law and due process, it also has a third section that was written in the aftermath of the Civil War with the thought that if you engage in insurrection, rebellion, if you were a Confederate who engaged in rebellion against the country, you can't hold office in, in the United States. And yeah. uh, uh, the the idea here, and here's the originalist part, is that thing means what it says. Donald Trump obviously engaged in insurrection, and if you read it literally, it uh, it it you know it, it bars him from from serving as president and from being on the ballot. And on your point, it, it's a great place to begin this idea of originalism. There, I'd say there are two kinds. There's the 18th century originalism, which has all the problems of thinking about enslavement that you mentioned. But 19th century originalism, the idea of really sticking to what the, the framers of the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment uh, meant to do, what they did do after the Civil War, it turns out to have radically different ideas. These were people who not only wanted to end slavery, but dreamed of a kind of true racial equality. And mm-hmm. they knew how far there was to get there, but they also were pragmatic. So they put things in the document, like saying, hey, if you're a uh, almost, you know, predicting the future, an insurrectionist holding office. Uh, no, yeah. we're not going to allow you to run again, that you've disqualified yourself. So this is a good kind of originalism, I think, the 19th century kind. I agree. And, and we've discussed this in the past. I mean, I'm 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 wary of it. But at the same <laughs> time, I, I can't deny it. No, I'm wary because the Democrats are trying to run yeah. saying the Republicans are anti-democracy, and yet they're going to yep. be painted as the ones who are trying to deny Americans Definitely. The chance to vote for the person they want to vote in a free society. And that's that that's the slippery slope. That's why it's messy. Right. But I, I also think that our Republican friends should be concerned about this because, Corey, what if what if it's true? What if the Supreme Court somehow baffles us all and says, nope, the, the <laughs> facts are facts. Numbers don't lie. He he tried to overthrow the government for the first time. We did not have a peaceful transfer of power. Right. Isn't that just a few connect the dots away from Elise Stefanik? is not qualified to hold elective office. Uh, 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 Lindsey Graham is not qualified to hold elective <laughs> office. I mean, we had over yeah. 100 of our Republicans in that Congress that very night of January 6th, who a few hours after the insurrection 
voted to throw out our Constitution, voted to throw out the will of the American people. I mean, if Donald Trump were to be ruled ineligible, could that not happen to potentially scores of Republicans in the Congress? And I know this sounds like a porn fantasy, but couldn't it happen? I mean, couldn't that be a, a, a few steps away? There were, yeah, we'd have to look at the facts. I mean, what's remarkable to me about the facts here is that, you know, there really wasn't a contest from Donald Trump trying to show that he didn't do all the things that he was accused of. They're making all sorts of other legal arguments. But in this case, at least in his case, and I don't know that that would be true for these other Congress people, that, that, that they're just not contesting. And partly it's because the facts are just so clear that he really wanted this to happen and made the speech at the ellipse. He didn't call out the guard to stop the thing when it was happening. And they, they just aren't willing to argue on that terrain. Instead, oddly, what they're doing is saying, well, he's not an officer within the meaning of the 14th Amendment. So they're trying to give this narrow legalistic argument that I think is, is, is really ridiculous. They have other arguments, too, about the need for Congress to act. But they really aren't contesting the main thing. And I think this main thing goes to answer your, your worry. You know, it's a Please. real worry, of course, of, that we're taking somebody off the ballot. But, you know, if you engage in rebellion against the United States, you try to basically destroy American democracy. But democracy has to protect itself against those kind of people. And that's uh, the unusual situation that we're in, where the uh, presumptive nominee for the Republican Party is somebody who really tried to destroy American democracy and might do so going forward. And, you know, I think when they put that in there, that 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 language of the third section of the 14th Amendment, they thought very seriously about the worry that you have that, you know, you're denying the people the ability to vote for who they want. And the decision yeah. was made. There's something more dangerous than that. And that's somebody who would really destroy the entire system. And they saw people like Jefferson Davis and the Confederates as, you know, having come very, very close to destroying American democracy once and for all. And as they sought to build a new multiracial democracy, the framers in the 19th century of these three amendments, and especially the 14th Amendment, tried to build a democracy that was, A, based on racial equality, and B, that would uh, protect itself against people exactly like Donald Trump. So, you know, when I look at what they did and I look at him, I think, you know what, yes, we're losing something by keeping him off the ballot, but we're also protecting ourselves against a, a really existential threat to the to the future of our country as we know it. So let me ask you then about this term, enabling legislation. I mean, this is mm -hmm. what Trump's lawyers are saying, right, that they right. have to pass somehow some kind of enabling legislation in Congress to disqualify insurrectionists. In other words, uh, right. the Constitution's not enough. We've got to pass a law for it. Right. I mean, that's essentially, is, is that what enabling legislation means? Exactly. Yeah, it's a fancy way of saying, you know, notice, right, that, you know, you would have thought that they would have said he's not really an insurrectionist. No, he loves American democracy. No, they thought they couldn't win on that. So they're essentially conceding on the insurrection point. And they're conceding even broadly the idea that he could be barred from running for office. So instead, what is their argument? They can't, I think it's a pretty clever argument. They say, look, it's not the case that, as they put it, that the 14th third section of the 14th Amendment is self-executing, meaning judges can just implement it. You need Congress to pass a law about how to implement it. And then they get pretty interesting with the history. They say, that's happened before. After the Civil War, there, there was a judge who said, you need such a law, and Congress acted. It came up with a series of ways of telling if somebody's 
an insurrection or not, an insurrectionist right. or not. And the Congress did that. And they created different ways, for instance, of local prosecutors to bar people, for instance, from the ballot. And Congress did that. And then their argument is in the 1940s, uh, Congress acted again. And they basically got rid of all the ways of barring somebody from being on the ballot, except for one. And that's to charge them with insurrection. And Donald Trump hasn't been charged with insurrection, so that's the only way. That's going to be the whole defense. The ballot. Yeah, right. exactly. So it's kind of an interesting <laughs> well, tying together during, of the, the cases during, here. During the second impeachment, they kept saying, oh, no, no, you don't, don't impeach him. Try him. Try him. And now right. he's being tried. They're saying, oh, no, you should have convicted him in impeachment. That's the only way to handle it. Right. I mean, they're just going to keep on moving the goalposts because he's paying lawyers to delay Absolutely. the whole thing. And that's so, another fascinating thing about listening to this, that in the immunity me. case, they're like, oh, no, you can't charge the president with a crime. He's immune. And here they're like, oh, you have to charge a president with a crime if you want to bar him from office. So, so I, I, I mean, think the court might 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 pick up on will pick up on that and in the immunity case i think they might actually use some of the arguments here of trump's own lawyers to say what the hell are you talking about of course he can be tried so i mean i I, it it boggles my mind a bit Corey. it's just it's so it's it's so much stupid going on at once this Um, whole thing is uh, surreal i can't believe we're even talking about this and it's going on for so hypothetical I mean, and this is as close as we're going to get to having any kind of justice. Let me let me ask you about Justice Jackson. Um, she right. seemed to suggest that the, the the 14th Amendment disqualification clause might just be about local officials. Why is she saying that? Is it related to the Confederacy? You know, something I, I it was talking about mind boggling. I mean, you're watching this, to my mind, very clear argument. And the justices honestly are racking their brains. How the hell? And it's, you know, they have your word. How the hell are we going to bar a major presidential candidate from running where the Supreme Court would probably threaten our own legitimacy? I think that's their worry. So even the liberals and Justice Jackson, of course, is on the liberal side of that court. Uh, I, I was listening to her. I was baffled. But she said, yeah, I mean, maybe this really isn't about a president. Maybe the aim and the purpose of this section of the 14th Amendment is local officials. Now, to my mind, I thought that was ridiculous. Uh, you know, she's trying to show... I guess her conservative credentials and balance, I'm not really sure what she's up to. But to my mind, there's one official that we really have to be worried about if he's an insurrectionist holding office, and that's the president, because that's the most powerful office that makes us all all vulnerable. So, yeah, she surprised me. I, I thought it was a uh, weird and kind of poor performance from her on, on this. Uh, she and John Stewart, but she and John Stewart are both just trying to show that they're not biased. They're just they're just playing the crowd. <laughs> um, what what yeah. is the what is the role of federalism in all of this, Professor? Uh, it, it seems like the court's not going to let one state decide right. this. That was the other theme that in listening to this, uh, you know, multiple hour oral argument that they that kind of everyone seems to be agreeing that that you know this is a uh, the 14th Amendment is a national idea. It sets a national standard, for instance, for equal protection. And we can't just allow state by state states to come around and and, and choose what the qualifications are. Uh, and so there was uh, example after example of states trying to change the qualifications to get on the ballot. And, um, you know, for instance, there was an example of a state trying to create term limits contrary to the um, to the to the to, to federal law on that that issue, which sets the term limits in the Constitution, uh, to uh, sets no term limits, I should say, and the, the, mm. the number of years you serve in office. 
So they use that a lot, this, this case called Term Limits uh, Incorporated, something like that, to get across the idea that really this isn't a state issue and, and we need one national standard. And my worry is the national standard is not going to be that he's ineligible to serve, even that's, though that's what the Constitution says. It's going to be to protect his right to be on the ballot everywhere. So I don't see Colorado getting away with making their own decision here or maybe. So this was not just Colorado trying to take him off the ballot for just Colorado? The implication is that by taking him off the ballot for Colorado, he is taken off the ballot everywhere? They were addressing that question, and, you know, I think Colorado's lawyer tried to indicate, oh, you could just say it's Colorado, a state decision uh, is okay here, and the justices weren't having that. They were really saying, uh, no, (laughs) we're not going to let Colorado decide this as they want. That's got national implications. It's a national standard. The 14th Amendment is one principle for the whole country, and we're not going to leave this up to individual states. Uh, despite Colorado, the, the attorney for, for Colorado really trying to get that, that point across. Corey, it's it's going to I mean, they're going to they're going to rule against this. Right. There's no way this is going to yeah. pass. I mean, it does yeah, seem no. like it's right there in black and white. The Constitution yeah. says he's not eligible. And this Supreme Court is not going to be the ones to agree with that, are they? Yep. Yep. And, you know, it comes back to our original point. Uh, so to speak, which is this idea, can you really read the Constitution the way it was originally meant and understood? And, you know, the sad thing for me is there's one moment (laughs) where it would really be a good thing to do that, to defend democracy, to use these robust protections that were put in after the Civil War. And at that moment, that originalism points in that direction rather than towards the kind of inequality of the 18th century, Uh, nobody looks like they want to do that. And, you know, it gives rise to the the more general thing that we've talked about often, which is that these conservative justices who claim they're just following the law, that's not what they're doing at all. They're they're protecting, you know, you could say they're protecting democracy. I I think they're protecting uh, the person in many cases who put them there, and that's Donald Trump. Mm. Will this be a 6-3 ruling or a 9-0 ruling, Corey? I think it's going to be nine zero. I'm, I kept looking for hope for one person to take my view. You know, the, the liberal professor wants to see democracy of a kind that would be willing to defend itself, vindicated. And uh, I, I'm not sure it's there. I think they're really going to try to find a way to emphasize two things. One is that he's not immune from uh, prosecution. That Donald Trump can be prosecuted. In fact, he could be prosecuted if Jack Smith wanted for insurrection. Yeah, uh, but they're not going to bar him from the ballot. And, and one more thing, can I ask you about the? I mean, he he he's brought yeah. his total immunity claim to them right now. I mean, Corey, on a legal level, what Donald Trump's lawyers are arguing. Tell me if I'm wrong about this. Is that Joe Biden can't break the law? It's impossible for him to break the law. And if Kamala, <laughs> if Joe Biden loses the 2024 election, but in 2025, Kamala Harris seats false electors to take away the will of the American voters. Republicans have no right to complain, essentially, right? It's an an amazing and crazy argument. And just as I think that that the 14th Amendment argument is, is not going to be upheld, there's no way that Trump could win on this question because it would give such a broad immunity to any president. It would be crazy. It would make it impossible to hold them accountable. Uh, the the uh, circuit court, the court that's already heard this case, 
um, has already, you know, kind of asked the question in the most pointed way I think you can get, which is imagine Joe Biden wanted to use SEAL Team 6 to go after his political opponent, yeah. namely Donald Trump, and yeah. uh, ordered an assassination. Could he be prosecuted for that? Under your theory, you know, he says, they say to the Trump lawyers, it looks like he can't. And, and no one can can unless unless he's impeached by unless he's impeached right. by this by right. and, and, and so in, in, and removed right. and then they could be prosecuted but Joe Biden right. could kill enough senators right, right. Joe Biden could have and, SEAL you know, Team Six murder senators so he can't be removed so I yeah. mean it's it's yeah. a pretty great great deal if you got the job but to also like let's just be real we've not ever in American history not once had a president convicted in the Senate. You need majority of the House, of course, and two-thirds in the Senate. That's never happened. So, uh, you know, and you might think, okay, well, the, the usual theory is if the president acts badly enough, then of course he'll be convicted in the Senate. But let's look at Donald Trump's two impeachments, including an attempt to overthrow an election. Uh, that wasn't enough. I don't know that anything is. I think impeachment's clearly broken, and so it would lead under the Trump theory, to, to absolute immunity if you couldn't convict someone in the Senate. I mean, I mean, is there a chance the Supreme Court will agree to hear Trump's appeal about the immunity? I mean, they'd have to decide whether to fast-track the proceedings in, in light of the fact that the election's coming up quick. That's right, and the, they've set a deadline that is coming up extremely soon. Um, I could see them just letting this one sit, you know, that the, the court's already said very clearly in a tough opinion that he, he's not above the law. He has no immunity. And uh, why take it? Why muddy the waters? Just say, okay, that's a legal decision that's already there. And I, I don't I don't see them overturning it. And I don't know why they would need to take the case in order to affirm it. Also, but I think this is... it's a ridiculous argument that Trump's making. And, they, you know, they could spare themselves the embarrassment of having to address it. But this is how, like John Stewart's return, they're, they're going to both sides it. They're going to say no to Trump on immunity. And they're right. going to say no to Colorado on throwing them off the ballot. So they will give everybody right. something. Yeah. yeah. And they'll show their balance when, in oh. fact, you know. <laughs> How Solomonic. So beyond the pale that there is no two sides to this, these issues, I think. Professor Brett Schneider, we have missed you so much. I'm so glad to have you back on the show. What is the best way for our listeners to follow you and keep up with all your work and doings? Uh, you could uh, read my work on com, and thanks for plugging my book. We still have a while out, but July 2nd, The Presidents and the People comes out with W.W. Norton. I'm so excited. And how's the weather there, Corey? How's you and your family managing? I understand it's pretty disgusting. Uh, oh, are you in California or something? I'm in California this week. Yeah, yeah, I'm missing oh, all the fun. Every time wow. I come to California, it You're snows in New York. Yeah. <laughs> We're surviving. It was way better than I, I thought it would be. It was supposed to be some sort of snowmageddon, but it's uh, Mm -hmm. more like a a kind of (laughs) mid-drizzle. Right on. Professor, thank you so much for joining us. Really a pleasure, and I look forward to speaking with you more as these events unfold. Thanks, John. Great to talk to you. Great to talk to you, sir. Have a great evening. We're going to be right back with your calls. This is Progress. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep, the application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs, just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org.
when my kid was five and he loved donuts, he, he decided that was City of Duncan. And that was the funniest joke of all time. And now he's in middle school and he still thinks that's the funniest joke of all time. Someone kill me, please. I'm John Fugel saying this is Sirius XM Progress. Let's go to the phones before we get to our good friend, the Rude Pundit. Our number is 866-997-4748. Hunter in South Carolina, thank you so much for waiting on hold. You're on progress. Oh, wow. Hey, John, how are you? Thank you for taking my call. Thank you, sir. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Hey, so uh, I listened to Bob Seska today. I had a long drive home from being, you know, out of town for work. And uh, then I watched uh, John Stewart last night. Um, okay. It kind of caught me off guard just a little bit. Like, I understand why people are angry at him, and I also kind of get it at the same time. I was wondering what your thoughts were. I, I agree with you. I, I totally understand why people were angry about it, and I totally get what he was trying to say. And I also understand the third way why he did what he did. You know, um, one thing that Joe well, Biden's really— why he quit, what, right? Well, one thing— Demi- I think that's why he quit, right? Like, well, it's 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 in John Stewart's keen personal and professional interest to not be seen as an automatic lapdog of the left, right? I mean, you're coming back, you have correct. to criticize the Democrats. Bill Maher lived the same way for years until he went over the edge and never came back in many ways. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, John Stewart, look, it's it's no different than, than, than how the Democratic Party tends to throw the left under the bus to show the rest of the world how moderate they are. You know what I mean? So it it doesn't yeah, really surprise me that he did it. I, I I think that he went to great lengths to try to... If you listen by the end of the bit about Biden and Trump and age, he's making it very clear that, yes, they're both old, but one of these people is really evil and corrupt and one isn't. But it's oh, still... That's kind of it, what was, I was but, at, but. it got to that point, but it was still shared by right-wing douchebags all day as Exhibit A that Joe Biden is too old for the job. Yeah, no, and I get it. And like, look, I understand some of the frustrations that he feels with that. I mean, there is kind of a point of ludicrousy with this whole thing where, you you know, even though it's like imperative to vote against Trump, it's, there's also a part of me that goes, what the fuck are we doing? I, get I, know. <laughs> you know, I know. I know. Totally I'm do, with man. you. Like, but I, I guarantee you, but, as the weeks go by, it might not seem as much of the both sidesism. But if John Stewart had come out and only beaten up on Trump, he would have gotten no respect from anybody. He had to do it. Yeah, for it the, a whole it's, other it's, show, for sure. Like, it's not good for America. It's not good for democracy. It's good for his show. It's good for him. I get it. Yeah. Well, and by the way, I'm the same like, way. I'm not I'm not a Democrat. It's very important to me to be I'm, independent. And, I'm and, not and, either. I've been a registered I, independent yeah. for as long as I could vote. And that's been I get hated. I get hated 30 years. all the time. I'll criticize Joe Biden as and I do try to criticize him as often as I can because I don't want to be seen as a bobblehead as well. But only when it's fair. And on the ageism thing, I'm sorry. It's a factor. But I'll take the 80 year old guy with a stutter over the almost 80 year old guy with 91 indictments. It's not. It's yeah, not I'm a with you there difficult that, choice for I, me. I am. Yeah, but it's it's. I think the point I was wanting to make was that I've always thought that John Stewart's role was more to highlight absurdity than it was to, you know, play a side. And yeah. I think that's what he was trying to do. It might not have come across well tonight or last night. Listen, I get it, and I thought you know I, I thought a lot of it was funny. I thought a lot of it was funny. He oh, made himself the butt. Funny. He, he made himself the butt of the joke. I mean, comedically, it was solid. I get why he composed it the way yeah. he did. I'm just going to say, I feel a lot better voting for Joe Biden second term than I felt voting for Bill Clinton second term. I, I the age is not a problem for me. It's the policies. I yeah. vote on the policies. Joe Biden could be drooling in a hospital gown, and he would still have policies and a record that would help the American people. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, that's no, I'm not know. arguing that with you at all. I just, it's just the perception has just been bugging me a little bit today. Yeah, and I get I just, it, but I and, and I think he thought. had, to, I think he had to do it, and I think it's going to be forgotten in a couple of weeks. But it's there for his own credibility, so I get why he did it. Well, that's great. Well, John, thank you for taking my call. Just a thank quick you, side note, like uh, I found out about you recently, so I'm a new fan, and I found out about you from the Probably Science podcast, which is probably one of the more random things you'll hear all week. But wow. <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't understand. Yeah. They asked me to be on a science podcast. I was like, that's like having Willie Nelson on your tax tips podcast. I didn't really understand having me on a science well, podcast. But Yeah, you caught, well, it's, it's, it's a probably science podcast, but yeah, it's caught me way off guard as well. And that's how I discovered you. And I pay for series now. So oh, you're welcome. Well, God bless. <laughs> thank you so much, Hunter. I really appreciate Thank you for your low standards in broadcasting. We really depend on men like you to keep us on the air. So that's all you. I can do, man. Thank you yeah. for what you did. <laughs> thank, thank, thank you and everyone with Poor Taste in Radio for keeping us on the air nine years. We're at 866-997-4748 right now. Whether you like it or not, it's the Root Pundit. That's Lee Papa. He has tens of thousands of weekly readers. He's a regular guest on Stephanie Miller's show. He was called in the New York Times a child of Lenny Bruce, Richard Pryor, and Hunter S. Thompson, which is almost as cool as being the child of a North Carolina stingray and a shark, because that's a thing now. You can support Lee and get even more content on his Patreon under the username Rude Pundit People of Earth. Welcome back. The Rude Pundit himself. Hi, Lee. I just love I'm coming after a discussion of lower standards to, 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 to listen to your show. <laughs> Well, speaking of lower standards, let's just take a moment. Uh, the seat that was forcibly vacated by George Santos in Congress appears to have been won by Democrat Tom Swozy. Is that how you pronounce his name? Because he follows me on Twitter. I should be able to say it. Swozy. Yeah. Swozy. Okay. Swazi, uh, yeah. They they have called it for Tom Swozy. This is why they had to have their Mayorkas vote tonight because tomorrow night they would not have been able to win it, Lee, by one vote. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, they could have they would have been tied if there was somebody who missed a vote who was supposed to be there. You're but, right. You know, fuck it. Why? You know, fuck it. They were going to do it at some point anyway with Mayorkas, you know, yeah. they couldn't shut Marjorie Taylor Green up unless they did it. So but don't you feel that, safe? That's what I think it? this vote was. I think this vote was shut the fuck up, Marjorie Taylor Green. You got your fucking vote. Um, oh, I'm very sorry. No, no, no. Uh, the draconian immigration bill that the Senate had was to shut the fuck up Marjorie Taylor Greene and the rest of the Republicans. I mean, Lee, Amnesty International said that Joe Biden was as cruel as Donald Trump if he signed that bill. And now we're never going to know. He's never going to get a chance to sign it. I mean, it's yeah. everything they wanted. And now it's a crisis. They can wait a year. I mean, yeah. they could have just passed it and said it's not enough, but they really don't care no no i mean that's the thing is like you know if you're going to filibuster on an issue not actually filibuster but filibuster on an issue then you need the issue there if you take the issue off the table then what do they have to bitch about i mean you know the, the oh my god you know you mean you mean that he he went beyond meeting us halfway he gave us nearly every fucking thing we wanted and they just wanted to get some more money in order to more quickly process amnesty uh cases uh, you know, and, and and things that Mayorkas wanted yeah. to do his job better. Uh, by Mayorkas, you mean the um, Border Patrol Union? Because really, what every Republican is saying here is, fuck the Border Patrol, fuck their union. They don't know anything, but Lauren Boebert does. 
but and and fuck and fuck the police union. I mean, the, the national police, national, the national police union. One of the national police unions said, "This is so fucking stupid. Mayorkas hasn't done anything." Um, you know, if anything, he, you know, they're right that that this bill would have just put into law all of those things that Trump did by executive order, and uh, and it yeah. would have been awful. It would have been awful. In I mean, many- but it would have it would have paid for more people so they could have had asylum cases heard sooner. I mean, at the end of the day, this is about not letting more brown people into the country, Lee, because as always, right. the majority of undocumented immigrants are the people that the Republicans will never talk about, the folks who overstay their visas. Yeah. There's 50,000 undocumented Irish in this country, and there is no plan or movement to get them out because they're the right color. We don't hear about them. Yeah, no, and we never will. We'll never, and you know, and, and we just like we don't, we never talk about how many uh, undocumented people Donald Trump has hired throughout his career. You know, oh, I talk about it. Two different centuries, man. Polish undocumented workers built Trump Tower. He was hiring yeah. them at Bedminster when he was serving as the president. He was employing undocumented workers yeah. to avoid paying a living wage to Americans. Yeah. Why the Democrats don't make this a mantra is beyond me, Lee. There are so many things that are beyond me in why Democrats don't do things that I, I, I you enough. know, I do not understand why every time they talk about Donald Trump, they don't start with rapist and former president. You know, just yeah. every time you fucking mention his name, say he's a rapist. And, it, you know, till that's the first thing people think about when they see his fucking face. Yeah, but to me, it's even it's it's, you know, I I, and I'm a broken record on this topic, Mr. Papa, but it comes down to if the Republicans wanted border crossings to stop, they'd lock up the employers. Yeah. I mean, they would take down the help wanted sign. And what frustrates me the most about the Democratic Party is that they will never call this out. They could end border crossings in a week. A salad would cost $75, but Trump supporters don't eat that many salads, so it wouldn't change their lives too much. I mean, we would see a huge spike. In produce, in meat, because the meat packing, the meat, the meat packing processing plants. factories are full yep. of undocumented workers. We yep. know this. And Greg children, Abbott undocumented children, children, undocumented children, and they pointedly will never go after the people who are the reason they cross the border. So it's all a racket. And I can only assume the Democratic Party is a part of it, Lee, because well, they'll do the pantomime of pretending to care about these people when in reality, I mean, they, 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 they could they could end it. But they won't yeah. end it because our whole economy would collapse. And I'm waiting for one Democrat to come forward and say that's the truth. Like this yeah. would blow the whole thing open. Yeah. I mean, you know, Mo- Molly Ivins was saying this 30, 40 years ago. You know, Molly Ivins would say all the time if 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 the government went in and arrested a couple of Texas housewives who were employing undocumented housekeepers and nannies. Yep, that's it. This would be over. You know, be over in a second. Uh, Lee, let me let me let me play a quick clip for you. Here's here's Joe Biden criticizing the House Speaker, Trump's dirty little Johnson and his GOP (laughs) caucus for standing in the way of a foreign aid package to Ukraine and Israel earlier today. A2. And I urge Speaker Johnson to bring it to the floor immediately, immediately. There's no question that a Senate bill was put on the floor in the House of Representatives. It would pass. It would pass. And the speaker knows that. So I call on the speaker to let the full House speak its mind and not allow a minority of most extreme voices in the House to block this bill even from being voted on. Even from being voted on. 
This is a critical act for the House to move. It needs to move. The bill provides urgent funding for Ukraine so it can keep defending itself against Putin's vicious, vicious onslaught. Once again, Lee, it's something they wanted two weeks ago. Now they can't. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, frankly, they should be calling this the Israel bill. Um, Smart, smart. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously Ukraine pushes some buttons. um, And but if you call it the Israel bill, if you say they don't want to fund Israel, then you're 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 going after them where they have professed what they what they really want. You know, but of course, they 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 the Democrats can't call it the Israel bill. Right. Because their own base. Right. Who would have known? Uh, don't like the wholesale slaughter of children in Gaza. 12,500 murdered children murdered by Netanyahu's attempt to keep himself out of prison and drag this thing out. Yep. Murdered yep. by weapons American tax dollars paid for and draining Biden support from demographics he might need in swing states like Michigan. So I, I think you're right. But I think the Democrats can't do it for that very no. reason. No, you're right. But I also, you know. I don't want to get into. I try to avoid the 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 Palestine Israel thing, except to say, it's it's a fucking massacre. It's awful. Fucking stop it already. You know the 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 hostage rescue thing was such a, is a fucking disgrace, and uh, that they were crowing about the two hostages they got released while, while killing sixty something uh, Palestinians in the process as a distraction. They claim. Mm-hmm. That's or, right. So, yeah, the, including children, and and I love that somebody did that. Well, great. Now I'm going on it. I love that somebody <laughs> today. Uh, somebody said, well, when I when I wrote something about that, they were like, well, how would you feel if it was your loved ones? And I thought, you know what? The the people that I love would be disgusted at the idea that children who had nothing to do, whose families had nothing to do with anything with my kidnapping, were slaughtered so that I could be released. You know. How how could I if I were kidnapped? How the fuck could I live with myself thinking that? Um, you 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 had a great post over there on on the threads where I follow you because your your threads exclusive right now. You, um, but you said Chuck Schumer should say that the Senate won't deal with this until Speaker Johnson, but with this meaning the Mayorkas impeachment, until yeah. Speaker Johnson has a vote on the Ukraine funding bill in the House. There you go. It's it is an easy tit for tat there. It is doing more. He could he could totally McConnell this like like Merrick Garland and say, well, we're not going to deal with it with this impeachment so close to an election. Um, We're just a few months from an election. Why would we do that? Biden might not even be president come uh, and then Mayorkas is gone. So why should we even bother with this? But instead, do some fucking horse trading. I mean, we know that that there's no way Mayorkas is getting convicted, but, you know, they want their little dog and pony show. That's uh, And it's so all right, you get the dog and pony show if you have the vote. If you're Mayorkas, do you fall on your sword and resign right now to take this pageant away from them for an election year? Or do you go through the process of having a trial and being acquitted and it just gave them a major propaganda victory? Because you know if there's a Senate trial, it's going to be nothing but Republican senators making speeches, making speeches to air on Fox and Newsmax all night long. I mean, this or is the time for Mayorkas to consider. Have, go ahead. Do you let them get to crow that they got the, that they that here's a head that they got? You know, do you do you yeah. 
I mean, that's that's the flip side. Either way, they're going to declare victory on this. And mm. maybe, just maybe, if there is a trial and Democrats have actually control the Senate, they can say, you know what? Let's have witnesses. Let's have the Border Patrol, the head of the Border Patrol Union speak. Let's have the head of the police union speak. Yeah. Let's get yeah. them in here to tell exactly. you how fucked up you are. Hey, listen, I, I think Merrick Garland should indict Donald Trump for hiring undocumented workers in two different centuries, if only Merrick Garland could be somehow revived. Um, we are at 866-997-4748, 866-997-GRIT. I mean, you, you wrote it just seems to me to be political malpractice for Democrats to not be calling Donald Trump a rapist every chance they get, as in, yes, it's alarming that the rapist and former president would allow Russia to attack our allies. I I completely agree, but... Grab him by the pussy didn't work. They heard him on tape. They don't care that he's a rapist, Lee. They know he's a rapist. It doesn't bother them. There are enough people in that independent, you know, in in that in that independent group that with those those mythical, you know, suburban housewives, suburban white women who might actually, you know, cringe at this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're you, you know. Let let me let me give you give you an example of of Please. how things can sometimes work. Please so the, there was the Covenant shooting in uh, the shooting at the at Covenant School in Tennessee in Nashville. Yes. yes. Um. Very conservative school. Very conservative. Uh. Obviously, Christian school. The parents at Covenant are now demanding that the Tennessee legislature, one of the most ridiculously conservative legislatures in the country pass some kind of gun measure, some kind of uh, measure limiting access to weapons. And it's like, okay, so there is something that can move the needle. And and now they are talking about this at their churches. They are starting to expand and and they're demanding that this conservative legislature do something. Um, So I, you know, there are things that do move the needle. And I think that's why I think the, I think more than grabbing by the pussy, which you know what, I know that it's ridiculous to call it locker room talk when we know Trump has done that. That's his MO when he's with Whip. When, when he's assaulted women, but rapist carries a whole lot more weight. I agree. And, I yeah, completely, it is completely a triggering agree. word. We're at 866-997-4748. Let's go to a, let's go to a listener, shall we? Um, Sean in California. Welcome. You are on with the Rude Pundit. How you doing? Hey, brother uh, and Mr. Rude Pundit. No, I love you guys. Just a great conversation. So I'm watching the, uh, obviously, the election in New York with uh, Swazi and Philip, whatever. But here was their only argument in uh, New York, the Republicans, was that Swazi rhymed with Benghazi. So that's the only thing they have going for them because Santos, <laughs> Santos turned Republicans into Democrats in this election. We'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm calling it before it's you know, really called. No, but it's I'll called. I, what, Swazi, Swazi's the next congressman. A, AP's they flipped called it. it. The New York Times has called it. It's, yeah. yeah. Nice. It's, a, it's, no, a, it's a Democratic seat now. Well, good. Because, you know, Which, I by the way, know. it was always going to hang on. I'm sorry, Sean Lee. It was always going to yeah. be. I mean, Biden won the yeah. district by 10 points. Santos yeah. got in there by lying to Jews and gay people that he was one of them. I mean, I don't you know, a gay man lying married to a woman. And, and and Democrats didn't really put up anybody. I mean, you know, and Democrat and then Democrats yeah. didn't come in and defend the person that they had. And, and then right. the media up there dropped Hello. the ball on Santos mm-hmm. tremendously. Absolutely. Go ahead, Sean. Well, 
Well, I mean, thank goodness at this point in time right now, we don't have any uh, Santos. You know, he invented the uh, Long Island iced tea, I guess. But uh, he's in big trouble. And he's done. He's toast. Doesn't we matter. We win these majorities. And, and, but, but this argument that the Republicans are using immigration as their issue, and they are, obviously, right? They just impeached Majorca. And so I'm saying this. I am saying we need to throw it back in their face and take the bull by the horns. I know the Democratic Party won't listen to me. I am saying that immigrants are what make this country strong. And they actually are going to improve our economy. It's fact. Yeah, it's I'm not fact. making it up. No, they we know. come in, they work, they pay taxes, they put tons of billions and trillions of dollars eventually into our economy. And uh, also the older people that have to retire, because if we can keep it, if we can keep the right majorities, you know, then, you know, Medicare and Social Security, that will all be settled so old people can live in a decent quality of life. And then these young bucks and women come in and they fill in the uh, uh, workforce and fill that void. Because a lot of yes. the people in this country aren't doing it. And I'll tell you what, you worry about terrorism, worry about the people here. Uh, and, I, you know, I'm not saying every fucking maggot is a terrorist. But I'll tell you what, I'm much more worried about those people here than I am of uh, people coming across our border. I mean, we just got the numbers last week, Lee. You probably heard about it, that immigrants are going to surplus our economy with $7 trillion over the next decade, $700 billion a year. Because when, you know, they talk about these full-grown men who arrive in our country, but when they're full-grown men or women... We don't have to pay to educate them in our public school system. They can enter the workforce right away, and they start Hello. paying taxes, and they start paying into Social Security. So we're, they're and thinking they there's the not going to be— And they don't get benefits. They're right. paying in without getting benefits, but, but it, which but is yes, wrong. You're right. But, it's totally wrong. But they're saying no recessions for the next decade because immigrants are going to bring so much economic growth into the country. And it seems like most Democrats or many Democrats are a little too scared to actually talk about black and white numbers. The racism and, is just perceived as being too great. And, and you know, the other thing is that it, you could make a case right now that the surge of immigration, I mean, it's it's obviously, you know, the, 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 the connection isn't there, but you could easily make a case saying, wait, you mean we've had this surge of, of, of migrants into the country and the economy has grown and jobs have been created. Huh, Hello. It doesn't seem to have had, had any impact on it. Right. Yeah. Improved it. It improved yeah. it. And I'll tell you what, I mean, we need to uh, welcome the stranger, right? Hello, hey, Seuss. I mean, look, these Republicans are phonies. We need to keep calling them out on it. We called their bluff on the uh, border deal, right? We gave them everything that was even horrible in that deal. They didn't take it. But we do need to, if we can win these elections, have a superstructure on the border that actually an immigration deal that actually yeah. works through these problems with lots of lawyers and lots of ways to make sure we don't let people in that don't want to just come here and work. But the majority of people that come from anywhere else on this planet, they want a better life. So yeah. that's, How dare they? that's what they do. 
Uh, I hear you. And Sean, I thank you for the call. To Sean's point, though, I don't think it works on our Republican loved ones. Lee, I mean, you know, I'd like to say, hey, if you were south of the border, would you love your child enough to risk crossing the border to give your kid a better? Do you love your family enough that you would take that risk to cross the border, do back-breaking work here below minimum wage, and be called a filthy illegal by the racists of this country while you pick their food for them? I mean, I I try to put them in the immigrants' shoes, but empathy is lost on a lot of these people. No, empathy is gone on on the MAGA side. There's no, they don't have that. That, 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 That part of their brains has been washed away in 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 the wave of trumpist bullshit so this just came in uh through msnbc speaker johnson is now saying he wants an in-person one-on-one meeting with president biden who he called feeble and dementia addled a couple days ago he wants a one-on-one meeting with this president before proceeding with the supplemental aid package to ukraine and israel these little bitches are thirsty, Lee. My God, he's looking yeah. for Joe Biden to somehow bail him out. He's caught between a Trump and a, and a Nazi place. He really is, and and he's already being threatened. I mean, I think it was I think Marjorie Taylor Greene, just to bring her up again, has threatened to uh, to 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 bring down his speakership if he goes ahead with the sup with the supplemental. This may, it may be funny. This may be the, the, this time Democrats may end up bailing him out if the, um yep. if they can get the supplemental. <laughs> so let me ask you uh, your thoughts before we go to break on uh, the hype about Joe Biden's age. I I actually have he's come old. to believe he's, he's old. old. He's, got, he's old. old. Stutter. He's old. But, Donald but, Trump's but is old. This, but but here's the thing: <laughs> the old talk. It's going to be pretty old by April. Oh, I, I oh, kind of yeah. feel like let's process this and move beyond it now because if there's one thing you can count on, it's the short attention span of the American voter. Absolutely no, no. You're 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 absolutely right. Let's get it out there. I said when the 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 her report came out that that Democrats should treat it like like Republicans treat 91 indicted felonies, you know, felony indictments, you know, just say, all right, OK. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah, no shit. He's old, but no shit. Donald Trump is old. And that's really what I think uh, I, what I wish Democrats would concentrate on is not try to defend Biden's age. You know, he. he He's 80, what, 82 now. 80, he's only 80. 81. He'll be 82. 81. He's, a, yeah, he's, 81. he's 81 now. And, um, and you know, yeah, he's going to act like an 81-year-old, but just, you know, say, yeah, but so's Trump. You know, don't let that go. This is why the Democrats need to embrace what I'm calling the revenge of the Sith argument, which is the best part of revenge of the Sith is not the Anakin Skywalker Obi-Wan Kenobi battle. It is the Palpatine Yoda battle. Two really, really, really old guys. They're both old. Why should we care? Yoda is so old. Palpatine is so old. They're basically the same, aren't they, Lee? Yoda and the Emperor, basically the same. Yeah. yeah, they really are. Although although I don't know that Biden could do the leaps that Yoda could do. Could do. <laughs> <laughs> nope, but Biden is the Yoda in that instance. He is he is considerably older than the other old guy, but he's not fucking evil. No, he's not evil and and he's got he, he uses his decade his decades of wisdom to help others. You That's know? it. <laughs> That's it. Uh, luminous beings are we. This is going to be my revenge of the Sith argument for Democrats, Lee. Let's 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 help get it crafted. <laughs> Thank you so much, Rude Pundit. What is the best way for our evil army tonight to follow you and keep up with all your doings? 
Hit me up on threads at Rude Pundit, uh, Instagram at Rude Pundit, Facebook, The Rude Pundit. You can always read the blog, rudepundit.blogspot.com. I've got something up there about the insanity of a recent Trump speech as compared to Biden mm. forgetting a few names. Yes, and, it's great. I've retweeted yeah. that already or reposted that on threads. Oh, thanks very much. Thanks. Oh, and you stuff. can also hit me up on Patreon, patreon.com slash Rude Pundit, starting at a buck a month for more posts. Right on. And by the way, the headline of Rude's piece, completely batshit things from a Trump speech that won't get as much coverage as Biden's age. Thank you for what you do, Lee. It's a pleasure having you with us. Have Always a great good evening. good to see you. Quick Bye. break. We'll be right back with your calls in just a moment here on Progress. We'll be joined in just a few minutes by Texas State Representative Carl Sherman to discuss the shooting this past weekend in uh, Joel Osteen's Lakewood Megachurch. Right now, let's go back to the phones for a quick second at 866-997-4748. Steve in L.A., thanks for waiting on hold. You're on progress. Hey, sure. Hey, um, good conversation with the rude pundits um, about immigration. I agree with you guys. Um we need immigration. I've worked in the food industry for years. I, I, I know what uh, the, the degree of difficulty in, in that job of handling food, whether it be produce or the, the meat business. I, I just don't see where the Democrats did themselves a favor by agreeing with the Republicans that we need some harsh new Republican style border bill. Well, I, what what are they supposed to, to if the Democrats appeal to the decency uh, and empathy of the American people, would that help them more in November? I wasn't surprised by it at all. This is Clintonism. They go to the right um, and they try to count on the fact that that will help them rather than being bold and brave, which I think would impress a lot more exactly. people. Well yeah. said. Exactly. But, you know, maybe, maybe the Republicans will like us more, if, you know, if we give them what we want. If we have a special counsel and use a, a you know a hard ass Republican uh, uh, lawyer to do it, Merrick Garland thinks, oh, the Republicans will really uh, will think I'm fair, so that'll be a good way to go. Mm. It, this is terrible. I mean, they're they're completely feckless. Yes. Um, I I they are without feck. I, they're without feck. Um, I don't know if you saw Bob Costas on uh, Mars show and. I didn't see it. Uh, what he, okay. Well, heard about he, it, but what are you referring to? Tell me. Well, I mean, he basically said Biden is the pure hubris of him running again, um, given where the campaign is going, given what the optics are. You know, Biden yeah. basically ran the first time saying, I'm a transitional president. He did. In other words, inferring that I'm not going to be a two term president. If there's any question about my age, don't worry about it. we got to get Trump out. We're going to have a new generation that makes this thing work. I'm and, with you on it. but And, and by know, the way, I like I like Bob Costas. He's always been lovely to me. But I would say to him the yeah. same thing I say to all my Democratic friends. Who? Who is the Democrat that's going to get 270 electoral votes and have more success with an evenly divided Congress then Joe Biden, show me the Democrat who can get elected, win the popular vote, win the 270 electoral and, I, and be better than I, I, Biden I with this Congress. And I'll, I'll give them money. I'll campaign door to door for them. I, I, I that person doesn't I, exist. I understand the argument that Biden got stuff done. 
um, in a bipartisan way. He's got a lot of stuff to show for it. But I, I don't think that's what this election is going to run on. I think it's going to be an optics thing. People are going to so go into the, into, the, into, the, into, the, into the voting booth in swing states, and the last thing on their mind is going to be not something related to any kind of policy uh, other than abortion. That, that'll be mm-hmm. on their minds. Yep. The only thing that's uh, on and, their mind and again, is, the, what the choices. But the, I think the election is, at the end of the day, for most people who don't pay attention to the issues, it's going to be an election between Trump and not Trump. And Joe Biden and his campaign are counting on that. It's going to be... Yeah, but they're on their back foot now. They're on their back foot now, and it's all about Biden. Trump is right. a traitor. He, he's, he's, in the, he's, he's an asset for the Russians. That, that's yes. totally clear now. That's, yes. I don't know if you... If Rachel Maddow had a thing on uh, Tucker Carlson's interview with uh, Putin. It, it's, it, it, it coincides exactly with what Trump said over the weekend with, you know, hey, we're not going to defend any of the NATO countries if, yeah. you know, quote unquote, if they don't pay right. But so, see, that's what disturbs me because it makes me feel like the fix is in with mainstream media. They want their Trump-style ratings. Again, journalists care about the truth. Media cares about the ratings. So they can charge $10 more for a diaper ad. And the media would like to have Donald Trump back so they can charge more for diaper ads. That is what is driving fair, a lot of the media coverage here. Fair, fair enough. But if the optic on Biden is oh, he looks old, that's I know. the easiest story to portray. That's, that's what's going to get clicked. That's what's going to get people to, to uh, turn the channel on. It's a very easy story to understand. All you got to do is show the guy. Now, I, uh, the question. I, I got to hit a break, so go ahead and make your point, late. Steve. I'm sorry. I got my guest is, is waiting, so late? please go ahead. Go ahead. Is it too late? Is it too late to get someone else? Yes. yes. I mean, in your estimation. Okay. Yes. I mean, I'll, yes, I'll it leave is. It there for and then there's nothing we can do. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people just say Joe Biden, well, they say Joe Biden needs to step aside, and then they give me their their fan fiction about Michelle Obama putting on a cape and flying in to begin a career in politics at age 60. It's ridiculous, these people. It's like Frangela says, Biden, you you know what's on the menu? Biden. You know what you get for lunch? It's Biden. For dinner? It's Biden. So that's it. That's what you're eating. And by the way, he is arguably the most effective president in my entire lifetime. I have to believe, I have to have the faith in American Steve that people aren't going to be like, well, I care about Roe v. Wade and I care about climate science, but oh, I'm going to go for the guy born in 1946 instead of 1942. It's ridiculous. I, I, I have to have a little more faith in the American people and a little more faith in the fact that Donald Trump is toxic and Donald Trump with only one felony conviction is even more toxic. Let's move on. And I thank you very much for the call. Now, I want to shift gears completely because I'm so pleased to have this next guest back. You've heard by now that a woman opened fire at Joel Osteen's massive Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas on Sunday using an AR-15 rifle or at least AR-15 style rifle. Had a sticker said Palestine on it, but a motive has still not been determined, according to police. Two were injured in the shooting, including the suspect's son. She was killed, and Houston cops have said she had a long history of mental illness and run-ins with the law, which explained why it was so easy for her to buy an AR-15 in a certain state. They're going to say it's not the guns, it's mental health. 
But this is someone with a mental health problem who's easily able to get a hold of an AR-15. I am so honored to welcome back to the show Carl Sherman, who sits in the Texas House representing the 109th District. And he is a man of strong religious faith. He is the senior pastor at the Church of Christ. He was elected in 2018 to serve as a member of the Texas House of Representatives. And he is a trailblazer in both local politics and public administration. He is running for the U.S. Senate in 2024. Learn more at carlsherman.com. Representative Sherman, welcome back to Sirius XM. Thank you so much, John. Fugel saying uh, I'm excited about being with you yet again. I wish, though, it was on a better, more positive subject uh, than the Lakewood uh, shooting and killing uh, that happened on Sunday. I agree, but considering considering the, the amount of lies and misinformation we've already heard about this, I am grateful to have you here to cut through a lot of that clutter. Um, first off, God bless you and the people of Texas. Uh, what an incredible tragedy. Yet another deeply preventable shooting. Someone who had mental illness history, who had an AR-15 type gun, I guess permitless carry is working just as they promised, huh? Yeah, absolutely. HB 1927, when it passed, you know, the author of that piece of legislation said that it would make us safer. And yet we've had more killings in Texas. We've had more police officers killed in Texas since that piece of legislation passed. So what they're saying, this solution, the only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun is insane. It hasn't worked. It's not working now. And the only thing that will stop a bad guy with a gun is keeping the bad guys that are insane, that have mental illness, away from guns. Makes no sense. We have to register to get a car. We have to register and do a license just to go fishing. So this makes no sense. And this woman should not have been allowed to get an AR-15 style weapon and kill her own son, you know. Now I don't know if her son was killed by her weapon or it was. Well, her, her son is alive. Her son is her son is alive. Her son's alive. I understand. He was he was shot, but he's he's still with us. Oh, the child. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I apologize. I, I thought I'd gotten news that uh, the seven-year-old oh, maybe- son had passed. Oh, I, I'm so sorry, sir. If this child has passed, I'm I'm so sorry for not having heard. I I I I'm, you no, have I, more recent information than me. I I will verify, but uh, you know I know that this was a horrible incident that was preventable. You know, yes. police knew that she had issues. Her family knew that she had issues. And you know, as a former city manager, I've said this to you, John. It, it just pains me to know that we, my police chief and officers, would have to go into homes with a warrant and discover that these people who sometimes are are not uh, sane, uh, who do not see things reasonably, actually have more weapons and more ammunition than we have in our police headquarters in these rural towns. This is not acceptable. We could prevent this. Uh, she had a her her former mother-in-law said that she had a particular type of schizophrenia that caused her to become violent. We asked for help from CPS. We asked for help from police and received it many times. But she was still allowed to own guns. And the commander of the Houston PD homicide division said she was put under an emergency detention order 
by Houston police officers, we believe in 2016. We do believe she has a mental health history that is documented. And she was arrested multiple times for assault, drug and weapons charges. And she had a documented history of mental health issues. And yet (laughs) she was allowed to purchase this weapon. And it seems like this would be Maybe I'm naive, Representative, but it seems like this is one of the issues where we could get some of our conservative brothers and sisters to say, yes, you're right. That just represents sanity. This person should not have been allowed to easily own a weapon designed to slaughter humans really fast. That's right. That's right, John. And and we do have sensible voters on both sides that feel that sensible red flag laws are sensible. They feel that mental health issues should prohibit someone from being cleared to acquire a gun. But it's the Republican-led legislative body that refuses to believe and accept what the voters want, whether they're Republican or Democrat, Mm -hmm. and they're only answering to special interests that are saying, allow for liberal gun rights. Look, we need regulation. Uh, We need to make sure that sensible gun owners are also protected, that our law enforcement officers are protected, and that our children are protected because a leading cause of death in our country right now for children zero to 18 are firearms. That's it. That shouldn't be. In this Christian nation where we know in Matthew 26, verse 52, Jesus says, if you live by the sword, you will die by the sword. In other words, he's not saying you don't, you cannot have a sword. He's saying if you trust in your sword, if you perpetuate fear to ensure that we have guns and guns of uh, mass destruction, guns of war, guns that were intended to be in battle, domestically used, you're going to kill yourselves. You're going to destroy that's right. yourselves. That's, that's right. That's living by the sword and dying by the sword. And, and if and, we are going to say we follow Jesus, we should follow him. That's right. Christ said that, by the way, as you well know, in the context of not exercising self-defense, but surrendering right. peacefully and advising his supporters to not engage in self-defense. He admonishes only his own people in that passage, not the Romans who came to arrest him. Um, and, you know, for, right. the, for the confusion with her child, I'm, I'm not surprised that there's a lot of confusion out there, sir, because there's been so much disinformation out there. Literally, yeah. the eldest son of the former president, uh, trust fund brat Donald Trump Jr., tweeted that this was a transgender assailant. And it was the Houston PD that actually came out and announced, no, this person used female pronouns. Uh, she identified as a woman and they said there is no evidence she was transgender. Texas cops said she wasn't. And Trump Jr. kept the tweet up anyway. I mean, how can we begin to address the reality when the reality is so obscured by so many chaos agents spinning lies in seeming indifference of the victims? And obscured by a fact that is not relevant in this case. Correct. The person is a human being, and it distracts from the real issue. She had a mental illness, and this was a tragedy that could have been prevented. Mm -hmm. But you would have some to believe and and prophesy 
uh, simply say to the public that this could have been worse. Come on. No. The, the former mother-in-law, yeah. her, her name is Wally uh, Carranza. She actually said it, it, it wasn't a, a case of religion as well. They're trying to claim that she hated Jews because she had a Palestine sticker on the butt of the gun. Her former mother-in-law, who is Jewish, I believe, she placed the fault of the shooting on Texas agencies, specifically the Child Protective Services of Harris and Montgomery counties, who refused to remove custody from a woman with known mental illness. I, I think it's a bit more complex than that, though, sir, isn't it? It, it really is. It really is. And, and it, it starts with uh, legislators. It starts at the top, creating an environment uh, where folks uh, feel that their way for a solution is to use a gun. And if we have no clearance, uh, no protection for the general public and anyone with a mental illness who desires to have a gun can get a gun, then we should expect more of these, not less. This seems like certainly an issue that could unite a lot of people against this madness that your governor is unleashing on the state in the name of, I don't know what, toxic masculinity and poor reading of the Gospels. Representative, I, I, before we go, I just want to ask you what, my heart goes out to everyone in your community who is so brokenhearted by this. Um, and, and Joel Osteen's a co-worker of ours here. Um what advice do you have for Americans who are feeling like there's no hope anymore that the NRA, which is not a gun rights organization, it's the lobbying wing of the gun manufacturers, that they have a stranglehold on our elected officials and we will continue to be the only nation in the world where these kind of shootings keep on happening. I talked to so many folks who are filled with despair. What advice do you give Americans outside of Texas who are feeling despondent over a seeming inability to ever move the needle on this? You know, our despair uh, must be transformed into our activism and our voting. Uh, that's our only voice. One man, one vote. Uh, sensible people have to outnumber insane people. And so this Thank is you. going to take a concerted effort by everyone voting, by everyone advocating for sensible gun laws and regulation. Look, I'm a gun owner, and I believe that there should be some requirements and responsibilities on gun owners. Yeah. You know, there's no reason that I should have a weapon that is used for war in my home. Really, it's not. Uh, so we've got to be sensible about this. And I think at the end of the day, if we start voting more in the uh, statewide elections and nationwide elections, the elections, John, that you can't gerrymander. Exactly. It's going to make a difference. And it's going to send a message. Carl Sherman represents the 109th district in the Texas legislature, and he is running for the United States Senate in 2024. Sir, what is the best way for our listeners to help out your campaign and learn more about it? If they go to carlsherman.com, uh, you can sign up to volunteer as we are just one week next Tuesday away from early voting, February 20th. Uh, folks can cast their vote for Carl Sherman, Carl Oscar Sherman, in honor so of much. my mother. Uh, I have my name listed. Yes. Brilliant, sir. You're welcome back here anytime. Please come see us again. And God bless all the folks in your district. 